Hey guys, this is Ronnie. Just a reminder, these are old episodes, and if you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. And announcing a new podcast with Ed Greer, Ron Swallow, and producer Bill called The Greatest Pod. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, if you want to support us monetarily, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash thegreatestpod, and you can sign up for the $5 tier that gets you extra podcasts, or sign up for the $7 tier that gets you the extra podcasts and art sent directly to your house. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the Classic Logo, and then, of course... The Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls, among other fan-favorite comments. So, do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So, thanks for listening and thanks for supporting Reboot It. At a major Hollywood studio... In a corner office of sub-basement D, the development executives toil in obscurity to reboot it. Welcome back, everybody. We are here in the corner office. It is the golden age of intellectual property, which means whether we want it or not, all of our favorite franchises will be rebooted. Helping me out today, as always, to my left, you know him from Hot Takes with Billy Business, a senior producer at Screen Junkies, Billy Business. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. I'm not usually a horror guy, but I think even if you're not a horror fan, you know who Jason is. Yeah, I mean, this is our first horror movie. I feel like this is going to present some interesting problems. Let me ask you, uh, favorite horror movie of all time? I uh, got to go the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I think oh, nice. I, I like the kind of like the cerebral stuff mixed with the slasher. I think that's kind of fun. Oh, I think that makes a lot of sense. To my right, you know them from the Nerd Goat podcast. Every week on Screen Junkies Universe, you see Ed Greer and his partner, Ron Swallow. That's right. How's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? So tired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great way to start the show. <laughs> Ron's bringing a lot of energy today. Uh, let me ask you guys favorite horror movie. Um, I'd say the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> that more that works. I buy that. Hey, a bunch of sad white boys out there. It's really it's really dangerous. <laughs> um, no, but honestly, um, I, I would have to go basic and say uh, Jaws. Just just oh, yeah. you can't see the monster. The things your mind uh, uh, inputs into the whole process, uh, the, the imagination required to be scared of barrels. You know what I mean? It's just amazing to me. Exactly, Ron. I got I've got two. Okay. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with Shining. Okay. Mm, uh, yeah. When I saw the the blood come out of that elevator when I was a kid, that, I thought about that for way longer than I wanted to. Mm. Uh, and then also V. Uh, if you remember the series V with the lizards, I know it really? wasn't probably wasn't technically horror, but I saw them rip uh the kid rip his parents face off and they were lizards and uh, i was scared my parents were lizards for a very long time so <laughs> you know uh, seems like a really true ron swallow fear yeah yeah like you know Heights, uh yeah ocean sharks and parents are lizards yeah that's, you know i mean all uh, tracks. so yeah those those two both uh definitely were things that like stuck in my head i guess it as well oh okay mm -hmm. it, it scared me when i was a kid too yeah it was one of those movies that i to this day i've never seen the original it uh really liked the remake but the the first one i didn't get into my i mean that my i don't know if it's my favorite but the scariest horror movie i've ever seen is definitely the exorcist and i think as a movie it's all it's also really well made and all of these movies are way more worthy than the franchise we're going to talk about today, guys. <laughs> I mean, technically, yes. Are, are any of you guys, would you call yourselves horror movie guys? Because the horror community is like big. Yeah. Um, People are serious about this stuff. No. Okay. I have a pretty weak temperament when it comes to horror. I don't, I don't like jump scares. Like I like horror movies if it doesn't completely scare me, <laughs> which is counterintuitive. I like slasher movies because I feel like those are a little bit more. I just don't like the the exorcist. I can't do the demons, oh, yeah. all that stuff. Can't do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't even believe in that stuff. But when I see it on film, it just creeps me the hell out. It makes me turn on, on all the lights in my house. Well, I think it's it's interesting how much you have to care about the characters to be scared by a horror movie. Yeah. And I think that that threshold is quite high for me. And I think certain movies, especially so, so-called elevated horror, which is the dumbest, horriblest term ever. But like elevated horror movies, they spend like an hour before anything scary happens. And I'm like, I don't got the patience for that either. Like, I don't I don't care. Oh, my kid missed the bus for the fifth time. He's acting strange. <laughs> it's 50 minutes into the movie, lady. Like, get him in the hole or something. Like, what? <laughs> do it. Go. But that's actually a great like when you do it right, you build it and build it and build it so that when the sca- when it starts to be scary, you've been built to a point where one, you probably care about the characters, mm-hmm. right? right? And two, like it, it's been slowly building. So when it starts hitting, like you're already a little bit afraid each time and it takes it up a tiny, tiny, tiny notch because you're wondering when is the real stuff going to happen? And when it starts happening, it, it, you know, well, that's you do it right, it builds up. You know, like your choice. I love The Shining, too. And even though yeah. nothing scary happens for a while, the sense of dread with the score, with the way it's shot, yep. with some of those pauses, like the that's music, what builds yeah. the dread. Yeah. You know something's coming before it actually comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I would say definitely the first uh, and second Friday the 13th were attempting to do that. Okay. Well, yeah. So one last thing I want to bring up early in this episode Um I have never seen, I shouldn't say that, I've seen one Friday the 13th movie out of the 12 that they have made. You What what position are you guys in? I've seen, I've definitely seen the first one. Okay. I saw Jason X. I nice. saw Freddy versus Jason. And then I've seen two others that I could not tell you which number they are. Mm. Uh, well, yeah. There's all these different ways to, to denote the ones. Like, I, I think I've seen a lot of them. There's the one where he goes to New York. Uh-huh. Jason takes Manhattan. I think that's like number eight. Uh-huh. Um, there's the one where he fought like the telekinetic chick who was like a really <laughs> lame fire starter. Right. Like, and then there's the one with Corey Feldman in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I conceive of them. So I've seen a bunch of them, but I know them in those ways. So sorry, Fangoria fans. <laughs> yeah. That might be watching this is going to be super bad. But well, the, our detachment is going to help us to do this because one of the reasons why real horror fans can't do it is they revere this crap too much to that point. I'm going to share an anecdote and I'm going to redact the names because the person I'm going to talk about is still a giant screenwriter working in the business. But through a friend of a friend, I know a guy who was one of the writers on literally one of the biggest franchises of the past 15 years, Mm. uh, movie franchises and quote, I have never opened a single page of that book. And he wrote, multiple movies in this series. So that happens all the time. And I just want to let the audience know Mm. that like, this is not uncommon. This is what happens when these things get adapted. By the way, those movies were actually really well received. And so the thing about it is like, you don't have to be so steeped in this stuff that you're obsessive about it in order to crack a good story, in order Mm. to make a good product. So I like the fact that we're all coming at this from kind of an irreverent point of view. I have I think the one I saw was like Jason five. I mean, just one of the totally throwaway ones before they tried reinventing with Jason X or Jason takes Manhattan. Um, We should say up front, there have been probably a dozen Jason movies and they tried doing a Friday the 13th reboot uh, within the past 10 years. Nobody seemed to care. So I think that's one of the things that we're running up against here Mm -hmm. is like, how do you make a modern audience care about a slasher movie? And maybe that's the first question. Or maybe the first question is, is there anything about this franchise that you think is just indispensable that we we can't get rid of? Is, is the hockey mask the only thing? Do we even need the hockey mask? Well, I, you know, when we were talking about this months ago, trying to figure out what franchises, you said something really interesting that really got my imagination going is the thing that I feel like makes these kind of teen slasher movies interesting is how do you put a teenager uh, in a situation where they feel most vulnerable? So I would say that the only way you can really do that nowadays is to keep that camp setting or some sort of wilderness setting where they are away from the phone. I think you eliminate the phone. You already, it's kind of sad to say, but you already put them in an extremely vulnerable spot. Makes sense. You guys, what about the Jason franchise, the Friday the 13th franchise can't go? What do, what do we have to keep? The key thing that you have, you'll have to keep is um, caring about the people so that when 
the killing starts, right. you give a shit right. that the killing is starting. That's the, 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 the key to it is, yeah. is, is, is create a, a, a situation where people care. Okay. Yeah. And I, I would think we have to bring that to it in the first place, because I swear there's like two of them where I cared about the character. And one of them, the lady had telekinetic powers and she was like rapid Jason up in phone lines and stuff yeah. like down power lines. And she was like doing all the stuff. I was like, yeah, I get I get a crappy Phoenix saga real quick. You know what I mean? It's, it was it is weird because you, you even think back on like the first nightmare on Elm Street and like those care that Johnny Depp and his girlfriend, you really cared about them. Like you did not want to see them get killed. I think part of the fun of the Jason franchise has been, you kind of want to see the kills. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that just even from a marketing perspective, it would be a huge mistake to not have the mask. The mm-hmm. mat, like that, that iconography of just the mask transcends to the point where when you watch an actual NHL hockey game, you're like, oh, look, he's wearing the Jason <laughs> mask. You know what I mean? Jason, yeah. it's Jason's kind of been, guarding the goal. Right. It's kind of been reverse engineered that way. I kind of feel like in your brain where that is just so synonymous that I think it'd be a mistake to jettison. That's not to say it has to be one person. The mask mm. could be a symbol. It could be mm. multiple people wear the mask. But I think you mm. could literally put a poster out with just the mask and a release date with no other text on the poster, and you know exactly what it is. That's interesting. I mean, not to jump too far into it, but that I mean, the idea of multiple Jason masks aligned on a poster with the release date that automatically makes me interested and I'm not even interested in that franchise. But right. like well, and the it's cult very, of Jason. And it's very interesting because, you know, the first two movies, he doesn't put on the mask. Like, one, it's not him at all in the first movie. Right. Two, it's, and the second one, you just see, like, his boots and he's got, like, a crazy fucked up face. Right. And then the third one, I guess, is when he gets the mask. So, like, it's interesting that a, a movie like this got, like, like, we got the iconography, which is clearly the mask, but it had to build to that mm. um, because those two movies are still probably some of the most popular right. versions of it's one like without if, the mask. If Darth Vader started breathing heavily with his mask in Return of the Jedi, and that's all we remember <laughs> yes. about yeah. that character. Well, also, I think uh, one of those things where you could kind of play with it, like uh, the old, like you're saying, multiple masks. There's like the old beat up, like it, hockey equipment has changed, <laughs> right? So you get that new one that's like all aerodynamic. It looks like a Transformers logo. Right. You, know, you get that new mask and then you got the old beat up one that's at the bottom of a lake and like the progression or something. Just just as far as marketing. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the question of what is the Friday the 13th franchise about, if anything? You know, I, th- I feel like this is maybe a hard question to answer because you know, Halloween, everybody sort of interpreted it as like Michael Myers will kill you if you have sex. So it's sort of an anti. Well, yeah, but just just to, just this to be is clear, a little bit of that. But too. But, but just yeah. to be just to be clear, please. The, the, the distinction is Michael Myers was not wronged in any way. Yeah. The original sin aspect is very, very important in the Friday the 13th uh, mythos. The fact that the people deserve on some level to die because they failed this little boy okay. at the camp. And they right. killed his mom. Because in, in the in the second one, he's, um, he's still alive, but his mom just didn't know. He's like living in the forest and he sees his mom get her head chopped off. And then that's why the second one, he comes back. He's like this weird monster living in a, a house. So and he's they- killing everybody. He's got like a weird like uh symbol with his mom's head and yeah. candles around it are they like hill people are they are they like i mean his mom's not they, no? they they uh the kid died in in a lake right like you know uh the you know the counselors were having sex instead sure. of watching the kid and then the kid dies in the lake because he's not a very good swimmer and he drowns and if the people were watching then they would have lived and so she comes when they reopen the camp she comes and kills all of them because she knows that some other kid will probably die like in her brain she's thinking like she's doing it for her son but what's strange about jason and i think to an an extent kind of uh you know like freddy krueger and even michael myers is that through the course of these movies you see this actually in professional wrestling a lot it's like 
they're trying to get the heel, the bad guy over. They want you to hate him. But a switch happens where you kind of, like you said, you watch these movies because you're waiting for him to kill someone. Yeah. So creating likable characters is almost tough because what the audience is like, I want to care about these characters. But if I went through this whole movie and Jason doesn't kill anyone, what was the point of watching this? So I almost feel like they become weird anti heroes Mm. and Jason more than any, at least in in those first Mm. couple is going after people people where you're like, yeah, I'm fine if you kill that person. In fact, that guy's kind of a douche. I'd be fine if you did. Well, you know? I, and I think to that point, uh, a main thing that I think maybe they were doing it on purpose. Maybe it's something that we as a culture have and put onto the movies. But I think the best of them have a pastiche of people from that era who suck. Right. <laughs> and then they get killed off until you get to the least objectionable one at the end. And they survive by being least objectionable. That is and kind some, of what they yeah. had even in the first and the second. Yeah. Too. And yeah. some of them, it's not even like not having sex. Some of them is just like, you weren't a just douche. Not, yeah, not yeah. being like, a like, You got a BJ yeah. in the broom closet, but you're not a douche. So it's fine. Well, so let me ask. I mean, there's also sex in every single one of them. For sure. I mean, I think that that's sort of an integral part of this franchise. Um, yeah, titties. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Well, that's you're like an HBO executive because that's basically what they do. Um, (laughs) Eureka, as they say. (laughs) They have a guy who just polices for that. Is there going to be any titties in this? (laughs) So let me ask this. Is because the formula for most horror movies is there's, you know, the one redeemable character and then you surround them with kind of cannon fodder. And. Is that played out as a formula? Is that something that we can go back to? The thing that worries me is thinking about making a movie where your villain is ostensibly your hero and all of your ostensible heroes are just jerks and unlikable. I mean, that just they don't really do stuff like that anymore. And the first two, they're not really like that. They're just like like camp counselors who are like young. Yeah, they're they're not they're not portrayed as like super bad people they're just like making out and having a nice time i think there's before the camp opens they're not even kids there yet i kind of think that's the one interesting part of of the friday the 13 mythos that if you were to kind of build off of it is that jason almost acts in a way as like a morality police so it's Mm. like what if you know we talked about briefly like okay if if jason was more of uh an idea than it was a singular person how do you, you know, govern what is killable in terms of a moral offense? I think that could be something kind of interesting. Well, and, you know, the, there was a part of me that was thinking, like, what if we made him some kind of like cult Christian, like over the top cult type of person, like who who is like, you know, sex is a sin. These people are out here like, uh, you know, not paying attention, not being good just being horrible bad yeah we get people. it we get it do, yeah. you lo- do you lose the bible belt going to see this though that you're taking away a whole middle part of the country well, that's like what's the matter i with- think if yeah. you if you portray him as crazy as not a regular christian you even have some of these people who are like you know like actual like regular old people then i don't think you're if you're if you're doing it wrong doing it like that but you also like i don't think you need to worry too much about the hmm. uh, 15% of Christians who get mad about well, stuff he, like that. He has to have some, the bottom line is whether it's Christian or not, the rules are a big deal. Like yes. the, the, the reason why people must die, the reason why the apparatus is set up this way, that has to be fairly compelling regardless of what we do. So I would say to, to me, that's the most important thing. Maybe not so much the, you know, the pastiche. Cause like I said, they did 15 of these freaking things. Right. They did, you know what I mean? So they had to kind of, it got thinner and thinner and thinner. And they, you started, as you stated, the anti-hero thing started to happen. So they kind of made the characters worse and worse as the movies went on. I want to come back to Billy. You brought it up. We had talked about it off air. The idea of, you know, where is a teenager most, most vulnerable? Because I think that that is an integral part of this. I mean, I also think Jason being the prototypical slasher. I mean, even more so, I think than Michael Myers, because Michael Myers, those movies at least had pretensions of being like classy. And Jason, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, was sort of schlock from the beginning. Like it is the stereotype of the slasher movie. Is the slasher played out? Like, how do you make the slasher interesting just as a concept now? I think it for me, at least it would be like intent almost. Mm. It's not the act of which is kind of what Ron is saying. Yeah, Yeah. but I definitely think that's what it is. Look, 
nowadays, like a, a teenager taking out other teenagers incredibly sadly is like turn on the news and like we're, mm. we're seeing it all too often. So I, I kind of think like the act of the slashing shouldn't be the main focus. Like to me, I kind of see like, what is, what is Jason or whatever Jason ends up being represent to these teens? Is Jason a boomer, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's millennials versus boomers, you I know, mean, you know, what's interesting talking about teenagers feeling like afraid of other teenagers or, or vulnerable, like with their peers, there's something interesting to the idea of doing this as like the teenage version of Joker, where it's like you're telling the story of some disaffected weirdo who becomes radicalized and starts like, you know, going up against all the people that, you know, he feels has wronged them. And I don't know that you want to treat Jason as like the protagonist of your movie, but just even for our headcanon backstory as writers, just to start fleshing this story out. Well, and one thing I would say for, for me, I think a thing that makes him uh, more interesting than say Michael Myers. Michael Myers is a natural occurrence mm. that has taken on supernatural significance because it refuses to die. It refuses to this. It refuses to that. Jason is supernatural yes. from like at least the third movie on. At least you know he's supernatural. He died in a crick. Yeah, and now he's eight feet tall. I could and push, you know, Winnebago's off a cliff. Yeah, I and mean, this, I, that, and the other. I would say that, like, if he's not supernatural, he just becomes a less interesting version of Leatherface. No, exactly. From so, Texas so I, I think one thing we, when we're looking at why Jason is doing what he what he does, we can look at maybe trying to build some new mythology on why he's such I'm in a that. creature. I, yeah. Okay. And, so and base his behavior on what kind of creature we build. So yeah, I love that idea because because what we can do then is um. The reason for the mask is his face got ruined when he got killed. I think he gets killed with these guys being irresponsible. And maybe the impetus for the kills is anytime he sees a camp uh, counselor trying to uh, being irresponsible, not watching someone or not taking care of something correctly. Okay. Sorry, this just struck me. This is going to be really far afield. I'm going to maybe defer to Ed on this one. What if you make, again, Maybe explicit, maybe headcanon. The backstory of Jason is like the Emmett Till story. You know mm. what I mean? What if you introduce that racial component to it where it's like maybe Jason even is like a resurrected, lynched teen? You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, I, I think some of that out, iconography without, you know, without us being making like, it uh, explicitly racial. Right. Because I was thinking, you know, not to jump too far forward, but I was, was thinking something about, uh, the way that a person like Jordan Peele or some of the new, like Nia DaCosta, mm. who's doing the new Candyman. These are these are black folks who are getting into yeah. horror jazz. And it seems like they're kind of. But the thing about the thing about Jason, though, is, again, whatever wrong happened to him, I think it's it's just something installed itself like in him or something. It's, it seems you know what I mean? I, maybe I'm just freeballing here, but like, yeah, it's, it's almost like at a certain point, it can't be a little boy anymore because a little boy he kills the people have wronged him. It should be over. Well, yeah, I mean, he's almost he's almost he almost becomes like the specter from DC Comics. Like he's the spirit <laughs> of vengeance. You know, he's, he's like, like coming spawn. Yeah, yeah right, right. Brings him back. <laughs> spawn you know? and Ghost Rider. Yeah. Even spawn with his arms wrapped around Ghost Rider right through the night. He's like the angry version of the crow in a way, because it's like instead of like bringing justice he's just getting revenge over and over again to satiate his need for being alive so i guess that was my thing and i could be wrong and swayed every other way but i kind of felt like the franchise started getting lost in itself within the supernatural mythology because it Fair. never quite yeah. knew where it wanted to go mm -hmm. so i wonder if like because like the horror now is like like very real and I, I kind of what you're saying with joker like does it feel more visceral more real if it is like at most jason is an idea he is what you think the boogeyman is but like any one of these people surrounding you kind of is your boogeyman you know i mean i go back to what you said at the open about a, a movie poster with the Jason mask or like I said, multiple Jason masks, something about like the cult of Jason. And I don't think you'd want to make it the cult of Jason because it's almost like, I don't know, maybe you even get rid of a character called Jason or we, or maybe this first movie in our franchise 
deals with a cult that uses the hockey mask and then jason is like the lone surviving member but Ooh, I like you know what i mean lot. it becomes almost like the origin story of jason the slasher I mean, do you remember when the first it chapter one came out and there were these reports of these people dressing up like clowns mm-hmm. and kind of walking around kind of scaring people like yeah, imagine yeah. if there was just this movement of people in hockey masks and then murders started to happen. It's like, how do you pin down? You oh, know? man. And like Friday the 13th uh, becomes like, like going. the day that they're going. That's the day that they're going to have bring a reckoning on wherever. Exactly. They, you know what I mean? Like, right. And then we're bringing yeah. the, the, the day back into it. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah this and, is a good way. To, this is a good way to go. Yeah. We've got to start. Yeah. And they were trying to do like much like how Halloween event wanted to be an anthology mm. and then michael myers got super popular and they were just like ah oh, we can't do an anthology we can't pull away from this character right now yeah we could do that with this well we're, we're almost talking about like flipping uh halloween three season of the witch mm-hmm. with the first two halloweens where it's like you start with this kind of viral idea that you're talking about where it is like half terrorism half slasher weird cult probably set in a small town or around Camp Crystal Lake, more of like a vacation community. Yeah. And then at the end, you're introducing like the one surviving member or, or I don't know, do they summon a demon and put it in a guy? I don't know if you want to go supernatural, but Jason right, sort of becomes how like much. Well, and one thing I was thinking about when you guys are saying like what if, I mean, and maybe this is too crazy, but like there's. What if there's always, you know, like you, you hit me with that shining jazz. What if there's always been a mask? Like way back in the days on the on the Great Plains, there was somebody who goes crazy and wears a certain mask. And the masks are generally the hockey mask configuration, big eyes right here, sort of a vented mouth or whatever. But sure. you could put antelope horns on it at one well, point. I mean, you could put bison horns on it. You could go all the way through the history of the Crystal Lake area or I whatever. Li- I like the idea of like, throughout history they're constantly co-opting whatever like easily available mask there is to mm-hmm. become like the sigil for this cult um or, and like maybe just just like the idea of like how it goes inside people not inside people it, it hones in on people's fears and stuff sure. what what if wronged people are like repositories for something that go wronged people of a certain era this thing jumps in them and I they go nuts. So, so okay. I, I, hold on. I, before I want to, I want to be clear because we're talking about two very different ideas. That, that's here, what I'm saying. Which, yeah. which we should, we need to reconcile. So, like, right. let's run at this rather than right. sort of talk around exactly. it. Is this going to be, you know, a, a a purely grounded cult, a violent cult that is going to perform a a culling, right? Which is what we're talking about with this Friday the Thirteenth. Or is this going to have some sort of generational supernatural aspect where there's like some sort of external impetus to put on the mask and like go and exact vengeance? Ding, ding, both. Here's what we do. <laughs> you, the kills are for a, for a ritual. They're, they're sacrifices so that one of their, their uh, able beings, whoever is the best for this situation, gets these powers from a god that then oh you're going you're going really big supernatural though. yeah yeah because because <laughs> you do it but because cults always worship some kind of weird yeah they do they weird yeah. worship god weird. or or like a you know a god of of war a god of uh but what if we started the cult the hunt my, my, or whatever my only, my only thing is i just what is non-purgy or the following about the the cult idea like i'm, I'm not saying like I'm saying, how do we dif- differentiate it from those concepts? Like the, the the Fox show, the following had like a guy who was in jail and uh, obviously people followed his bunch example. Copycats, right. Yeah. A bunch I of copycats think, and copycats right. were all over I, the place and it was hard to determine. I think for me, the more supernatural things get, I feel like the more I start to check out a little bit. But imagine if it was like, what if it was like anonymous and they're like on Friday the 13th, people are going to die and you don't know where you don't know how you don't know if the guy next to you has a Jason mask in his satchel and he's ready to put it on and kill you. That is kind of what the following was like though, too. Sure. But I, I definitely do think that there's still something more to trying to 
ground these things because I feel like the reason why none of us can really remember anything in those Friday the 13th is because they kept putting a hat on a hat with their mythology and getting so big that it was there was like MCU level kind of stuff that sure what really scares us today like really when you think about what scares you about going outside late at night in Los Angeles it's like I could turn any corner and someone could be there to kill me I I agree with what you're saying and I think that that also makes it more current I mean I think that that you know that taps into very present fears and then it also I don't know. It does. It it reinvents the idea of the slasher a little bit because I, I the thing that puts me off of the supernatural of it all mm-hmm. is that it does become too much about like solving a mystery and not as much about the fear of it. I feel like every time you get into super hmm. too deep into supernatural horror, it almost becomes a mystery story because it becomes like, how do we satiate this ghost or what does the ghost want that we can give it to free it? You know yeah, what I mean? No, I, I absolutely agree. And that, I think that's kind of the limitation of Friday the 13th, which is why it needs to be rebooted is once you buy into this wronged person comes back eight feet tall, and super strong. OK, well, where where else? Yeah, the person he, he never really loses because of any moral thing that the, the hero does he just right. sort of falls in a lake it gets a thing wrapped around him or whatever you know and so he basically he, can't come back, he basically gets terminated at the end of every movie yes. right like they're just they're just trying to run away and then they barely kill him and then that's it but also oh oh, oh. rap oh, oh. oh here nice we go here we go here we go oh my reboot crew hello how are you guys uh great Happy New Year. Welcome back. Mazel tov on your wedding. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Me and Pamela are so happy. So happy. I can't even tell you. Me and Pam Anderson. I could have had any woman in the world, but the only one I wanted was Pam. It sounds very, very juicy. Very romantic. <laughs> so, guys, look, I know we're talking about this Friday the 13th reboot, and here's what I think. I think I don't care what you do with Jason, but I'm telling you right now, we need to cast Taylor Swift in this movie. You cast Taylor Swift in this movie. You make this a Taylor Swift vehicle. We're all going to be pissing dollar bills. <laughs> that doesn't sound comfortable at all, but, but you're uh, the boss. Yeah, I like how many kidney stones have you passed? <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, <laughs> I have to go get back to my honeymoon. Pamela is waiting spread eagle on the bed. Does, isn't that great? Imagine that. I leave you with that. Goodbye. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks. <sighs> okay. I've always been a Tony Katane man myself. <laughs> <laughs> Not too loud. The boss is going to hear. <laughs> Taylor so, Swift, guys. So, th- I mean, this is interesting because, like, we have already talked about how Friday the 13th has really never been a star vehicle. Like, the kids have always just been, like, there to get murdered. So this this changes the... This changes the rubric a little bit. Well, she also he didn't say she has to be at the star, though. Are we going to make a, her Jason? I would be. Into, is there something interesting about switching the gender in terms of intent? You know, like, oh, is it different if if Jason's killing people who had sex because he was killed because they were neglected for sex? That's one intent. But if it's a female, I feel like it takes on a whole new kind of connotation. There's I mean, in the first more, one it is a female. So. Well, that's true. Jason's mom. Yeah, it's his mom. Right. Taylor Swift playing Jason's mom. <laughs> but okay, okay. But let's. I mean, let's, how old is she? Okay, <laughs> let's, but, but let's get let's get nuts. Maybe Taylor Swift can play like young her, and we can see a little bit about how the psychosis starts, and then something bad happens. And then here's she gets, the thing, though: if if Taylor Swift, if you're gonna put her in the marketing, you can't cover her face up. Like you just can't do it. Like <laughs> yeah, and I I also think that you know we. We normally reverse engineer this like we go story and then cast. One of the interesting things about starting with a cast member and sort of designing it to that to them is you have to play to their strengths. And like Taylor Swift, if she has a a strength as an actress, I think is comedy. And and if not comedy, you have to sort of play to her sweet. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know if she's talented enough to go so far in the opposite direction of like, like what her, she does. Her tour bus breaks down at an old <laughs> camp. It's getting a little Globetrotters meet Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, so let's, I mean, let's. She could be the person who's running the camp. She could definitely be a camp counselor. I mean, I also feel like you don't put Taylor Swift in this movie unless you kill her. I mean, isn't that, that's yeah. part of like the, the fantasy. For sure. 
Oh, and, and oh, geez. Not, Your I mean, fantasy? And, no, not my fantasy. I just feel like there's a strong contingent of people. Look, here's what I'm saying. I'll break this down really, really quick. Horror movie fans in general are probably generally not Taylor Swift fans. And so putting her in a horror movie means that those people are going to cheer when she gets killed. That's look, all I'm saying. Look, Mr. Peters did not say what he what she had to do in it. Yeah. So well, we can do what we want. Right. So, so that, I'm just saying she's the first kill. Well, so if, if she's, she's Drew, Drew Barrymore. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So so then we're going to have multiple killers, too. We're going to just scream this whole damn thing. No, we're not going to well, have multiple killers. Oh, well, we? We were, yeah, we were talking about the we cult. We were talking about the cult. We were talking about having a cult of Jasonality. I don't like that. Why? I think it has to be a main character because that's what all of those movies are based on. Yeah, but we're rebooting it. Okay. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> to the show. I'm not. I mean, I don't have a particular attachment to it, but I get worried. We're trying to market a film, right? Sure. And I get worried that if we market a film with that is a reboot where the main character is not the main character and is not even really part of the movie mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. that uh, the people won't go see it. Well, I mean, I think that that's what we were getting at with re you know, how do we reimagine what the hockey mask means, right? Okay. How do we reimagine the iconography, of the hockey mask? And, and I think that we were stuck before Peter's barged in on the hockey mask, either as just, a simple anonymous style symbol that these people have seized on, or if the hockey mask has some sort of, you know, even just call it a supernatural motivation, like throughout history, you know, groups of people have taken on masks to do this thing. Um, So, you know what, you know what? Okay. Well, what if we we split the difference by by this with with Jason, where I'm thinking, yeah, maybe the Jason character, whoever the Jason person is male or female, discovers this ancient iconography and it cultizes and radicalizes them to take this particular attack and killing fools, you know, because they're wronged. You know what I mean? It's like they, they didn't have to go through the whole mythology of it. They read this made up story about this area being haunted by the spirit or whatever. And whether it's just true psychosis or true supernatural stuff, we can leave. I that. see. It's it's almost like the sad, but true case of like slender man. Yes. Where it's like these yes. two mm. girls latched onto this essentially fairy. I mean, I don't think necessarily we should do this, but you could almost take it somewhat meta, like two people that latch on to the Friday. They believe the it's okay. real. Okay. Yeah. They now, believe it's real. So, then we don't have to say technically that it's not or is. What if we, I mean, what if we really lean into that Slenderman true story where our main characters are like three girls, even two girls at a sleepover are getting into this stuff. And it's like, all I'm picturing is a, a, a an act one turn, right? Where act one turns into act two, where the girls just sort of look at each other and creepily, the only masks they were able to find are these hockey masks and they just creepily put them on and they're just staring, they're just sitting there with the masks on staring at each other. And as the audience, that has even more significance because you know what the hockey mask means to the Friday the 13th franchise, but to them, it's just like, we're gonna put on masks and do some horrible stuff and these masks just happen to be the ones sitting around. You know what I mean? And so it becomes like, there's a weird meta play going on up. between the audience's expectations and mm. what the characters know. And and the characters feel like the, some building into the iconography that when the characters put on the mask, they feel like they can do anything. They don't get superpowers or anything, but they feel like disassociated enough to do some of the most horrible stuff. I love stuff. that. Yeah. I love using yeah. the mask to disassociate right. your brain with yeah. what you're actually doing. Yeah. You know, because then it's like we're not overtly saying it's supernatural, but if you wanted to, you could fill in the blanks that something boom. about that mask. Yeah is evil you know well yeah and i mean something about just the very act of putting on a mask becomes sort of evil like i i I wouldn't want to make a movie as slow as this but just thinking about how it follows turns something so benign into something so creepy right which is just somebody who's walking straight at you and not stopping becomes like this horrible anxiety inducing thing i'm thinking through this whole movie Every time anybody covers their it's like, you know, somebody pulls a curtain and it covers their face or somebody, you know, has a towel and just pauses and the towel is covering their face. Just anytime mm. somebody covers their face turns yeah. into like this real. Oh, God, like, what's about to happen? Fight right. flight to sort yeah. Of happen. Yeah. So then I guess we just have to kind of really think like what are these like what's their motivation essentially why are they doing let's go back to let's go back to the question you asked at the beginning um 
where do teenagers not feel safe? So I think what we're talking about is we want to put a bunch of teenagers together. We want to have some who are disaffected, who want to go to this length of like putting on a mask, disassociating from their own morality. And then we want to be able to give them sort of like that trapped in the cabin feel, right? Like the lost in the woods thing. So when you were saying teenagers, are we talking about 14, 15? Or are we talking 19? 18? Are we talking high adults? Schoolers. No, we're talking high schoolers. Okay. I kind of think like 14 to 16 yeah. is very unsettling. Anything older than that, it's kind of just like, I don't know. All there's right. something where my brain disassociates and you're like, eh, okay. you're just a crazy I person. I almost feel like, you know, we talked about in a previous episode of Reboot It, uh, the movie Book Smart. Mm-hmm. And it's like, think about if the cast of Book Smart was in this creepy, unsettling movie where for the first act, we're just building up to that moment where like the two main characters put the masks on and just look at each other. I think that's sort of the age level. And I think that's sort of the vibe. It's like and and we can and that's great, too, because uh, they can be having conversations about uh, the girls that are mean to them, the dudes who are constantly trying to write ass. Or whatever type of thing, so that's slowly building, and and then we with that turn when they put their mask it, on is when they made the decision. I don't think it decision. has to be like as dark and as somber, but I immediately as you were saying that I was thinking of the movie Thoroughbreds with those two girls. Oh, I haven't seen that, and it devolves by the end, I guess, spoiler into them like convincing each other to kill one of their stepdads because he's just the worst, and it's like mm. it's or like it, Heavenly Creatures for, a, for a movie sure, yeah, 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 you know, the two two people reinforcing a psychosis. But again, yeah, I love we, we play it as though they could have discovered sacred stuff, too. Like, you yes. know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. it, we play got, it both yeah. ways. Literally, you could just have books of occult. Now, let's not like, be that lazy. I mean, I think I think and not to d- be dismissive, but I think that that becomes something where. Look, Bill, I just want you to know that all the witchcraft I learned was from books. hundred <laughs> percent. When I was a child, I was 75 pounds and I was. <laughs> My BMI was negative four. Uh, I, I'm with you where I think it's like if you wanted to in your brain canon, you could figure maybe there was a supernatural thing, but it's 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 subtext at best. I think right. I think. You do supernatural deniability. Right. And I think the plausible deniability of it is almost just like the setup for for Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. Right. Where they're just in a place that's creepy. And this is where the Mm -hmm. bad stuff is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we never need to see demons like we do in Evil Dead. But just that setup of like, let's Mm -hmm. get them away from their homes, away from their school into a place where just the ambiance of it feels like there's something off here. Right. And you know what we could also add? It's so it's not so like same, same as far as the two people have the masks on and stuff. It's like they start out with the same psychosis, but or or maybe they start out and maybe one of them finds like the official mask, like like they find a real mask that's way on like the shallow end of the lake on the other side on this place that supposedly Jason had died or somebody like just somebody was wronged or something. And they find that thing and they're like, look at this. I got this, this thing. And then the other person has like a new ass hockey mascot or whatever. But over the course of the movie, sure, yeah. you feel like they're both equally crazy, but the person with the original mask is a little bit more crazy or something. Well, I, we're still talking about two different things. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep bringing it up because I think it's worth coming to a conclusion about, are we saying that, Jason as a character or the hockey mask as a thing through history exists and the characters are able to discover it. Uh, Are they, my question about that is, are these people aware of Jason as a story or as a movie? Because we talked, we talked about the meta and I I I just kind of want to stay away from that. I don't, I don't think we want to do that. I I think that that, that's a very nineties way to tell the story. Yes. Yes. I think I'm only bringing this up because I feel like, there should be as much as I love the visual right of like masks through history. And I really do. Mm. I think that that could be awesome. I also think that like we don't, we shouldn't have to give this a mythology at all. Mm. I feel like if we can just create an uncomfortable enough atmosphere Mm. and create character dynamics that are messed up enough, Mm -hmm. you you're just building to the point where people decide like we're going to put masks and it could even be, I'm weirdly thinking about um, Ben Stein from the movie The Mask with Jim Carrey, where he's just a guy who tells you that, like, well, historically, people have used masks to express their innermost desires. And it's like, yeah, you just yeah. you just need that, right? You just right. need one piece of dialogue or something that justifies, mm-hmm. like, where oh, this yeah. comes from. Yeah, no, I, I certainly get that. Yeah. 
Like I said, I'm not I, this iconography is just whatever. But I like I, 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 like I, I even dig changing the mass. I don't I really like one of your original thoughts was and maybe you could do this, especially if there's two. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Elephant. It's yeah, about yeah, yeah. the school shooting. But I like the idea that maybe at the end, one of them just kills the other one. It's like there can only be me, you know? Yeah. And that's how we end with our Jason. Yeah. And that's our that's our main Jason. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about the setting then. Are we are we gonna be at a camp? I feel like the more the more we're talking this through, the more a camp feels right. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back to something Ron said. Mm. There's something to be said for making it like a Christian camp. Because just having been to Bible camp once as a kid, I, I was raised Catholic and as like part of um, confirmation, you went on the, this retreat out into the woods. I went to camp for church, yeah. Same so to, yeah. not Christian church, but church. So, yeah. And, and there's something about the repression of being there for religious reasons about that age range where, you know, people are really struggling with their beliefs and their own morality and like just putting that fine a point on it where it, it just it. it it ups the pressure cooker. But, the, yeah. but the, the, this is my thing. I want to I want to add on to that. It's not a bunch of prayer bungholes, though. It's Christian ethos put through drill sergeant jerk faces who are making these people's camp experience bad. Not only are the people who are in charge bad and corrupt and trash and having sex and doing whatever that they want. Yeah. While these people are suffering, eating millet all the time, like the, <laughs> the fat boy can't get no Twinkies, the hot girl can't get no wiener, the all these kids are being denied the things. You've that never they, actually been to church camp, have you? No, I, I, there's I, a lot of yeah, sex. Yeah, church it's, camp. it's no, 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 but, that, but, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, but there's not supposed to be. So I get right. that part of it. I'm just saying this is supposed to be like not just we're not supposed to be having sex. Let's wake up and make some lanyards camp. This is you were on Maury Povich. And you suck. I don't know. I, I, kind, I, I, I kind I of see. disagree in the sense because I feel like that that puts too fine of a point on the situation. Whereas I like the more like I like the idea of like, yeah, you are brought to this place and you are at a point in your life where you've been told all your life you are supposed to believe this and act this way. But you are now at a point where you can make your own choice. Is this the way you want to be? And in the face of that, you have basically Satan himself coming to be your reckoning, you know? I also think that there's something to be said if we're ta- if we're telling a disaffected youth story, if you're somebody who earnestly believes, and not in a crap way, not mm-hmm. in like a, you know, I'm going to preach to you sort of way, but like just, I'm going to be a good person way. And then you get to Bible camp and all that stuff that we know about starts happening where it's like suddenly kids are having sex and kids are doing drugs and like kids are being bad and you're the person who's like this isn't the we're here for jesus you know it's like there's a weird sort of mental reckoning that has to happen and maybe those aren't the kids that become you know the killers maybe Mm -hmm. there's like a weird game that starts and then the masks come on and then that just ups the ante even more. But I actually like the idea too, you know, trying to think of like, how do we get this? Like, how could that story get in their heads of Jason? And it's like, mm. yeah, did you never have a camp counselor that tells you a boogeyman story just to kind of get you to not wander off at night or to just basically leave them alone? Yeah. So imagine taking, maybe that's where like the quote unquote mythology of Jason comes from is it's just this boogeyman mm. story around this camp. That it's not, you know, real. this is all—it's all starting to come together. Um, there's a big problem I have, though, and uh, that is there's clearly going to be no titties in this. Um, <laughs> Ron, we'll get there. We'll Ron, get there. yeah, I trust me. With a church camp, there probably is <laughs> yeah. more than yeah, you. Yeah, but will. we can't. Uh, well, they're camp counselors. You're right. But well, here's the thing: I, mm. unless, look, if we're going to make them like teenagers, like 14 to 16, definitely yeah, not no, happening. Can, cannot happen. Right, but I mean, you could all. Right. You could also have oh, we have camp counselors, the camp counselors. Also, I don't I don't think that like titties and nudity. Like, I think this is a chance to actually elevate it past what oh, a quote unquote God. slasher is. I agree, well, I agree with also, that. Just for business purposes. I'm sorry if this ain't if this ain't PG-13, then we got to just up the violence outrageously then you know oh, what yeah, I mean? you're right because if, it, if it's pg-13 and it's scary enough we're gonna make a mint guys uh what was it pg-13 yes was it i think so i could I, be wrong I, actually I, no it might be r yeah i, I well, feel like this has, a, this has to be r let's take a look well I, anyway but the bottom line is um what you just said is very good because 
to me, all I want out of it, I don't care what the mythology is. I care that there's a competing mythology to good Christian regular values that's introduced in here. Like you, they're trying to teach them good Christian regular values. But one night they tell a couple of psychos a story that inspires like, OK, we're going to make this funny games. Basically, we're going to make the rest of our whole camp experience funny games. We're going to freak everybody out. We're going to cause ruckus. They try to take a head count and they they can't count all the kids. They don't know. Like all the kids are here, but there's still weird stuff happening because they do some trickeration or whatever, you know, whatever. The bottom line is they make it freaky at camp. These two kids maybe make it freaky at camp. And then when one of them wants to stop, the other one doesn't want to stop because they're really crazy now and they're really psycho. I like that. Is Do you think there is a mystery element to like, who is the slasher? Do we do we make that I, a mystery? I, honestly, for me, I would say no. Like, I kind of feel like okay. you don't need to like, where did this shark come from? And Jaws, the fact that it's just, you know what it is. You know, it's there. You don't know where it is. I'm fine with spelling out right from the stop because the disturbing part to me is that one of or two of these girls are sick enough to do something mm. i don't think you have to like well uh, just just make one, a, one tiny counterpoint i think it would be an interesting engine for the story for us to not necessarily know which one is doing the most egregious stuff and I, they don't even know and they profess to be like i i didn't do that i didn't do it either bro and it's like and it's a there's a little bit of that I, and then i like that the too and then the at and then, then when, when at crazy. the end the one who kills him is the one we find out who's been killing everybody the whole time because because that makes a lot saying of sense there's only one killer I, I i don't know i mean it's a possibility like if one there's of them two just make it different from scream Let, well, let's just end up making it a way well, different than but scream. the reason I, I think we're going down the the scream road regardless because mm. you just, know just that idea of like okay we're a group of high school kids People are getting killed. We think it's somebody who's in our clique. We don't know who it is. There's going to be misdirects. We're going to think it's this guy, but it's really this guy. And then at the end, there's one big more twist. I mean, just structurally mm, and the way that they use the slasher, that is Scream. So mm. I I think leaning more into the elephant of it, leaning more into like, this isn't, you know, a bloody good time. This mm. is like, a disturbing I, again I, I go back to joker and i'm not trying to push that but just as i'm thinking mm. through that becomes the tone of this that's kind of where my head is too it's, yeah these two are pushing each other to become I mean, crazier, that's where crazier. We are. it's like i feel like you have to reinvent what a slasher movie is and the fact that it's not a whodunit it's a disturbing look at the spiral of of two in this case, two people, I think the horror comes from just like the, like you're more chilled than you are, you know? Yeah. I think it needs titillated, to I guess. And, and I think there definitely needs to be some really gory, gnarly kills because that's a hallmark of the Friday the 13th franchise. Absolutely. And I think we're still Axes. setting ourselves up for that. But I, I think the thing that we don't get in this movie is like, the girl runs screaming through the woods as the killer's out of focus behind her. And then eventually the killer catches up with her out of nowhere and slashes her in a really horrible way. You mean the entire first Friday the 13th? I mean, basically all the Friday the 13th. Yeah. I'm saying we're going to reject that completely unless you guys feel strongly that we don't. No, I, I think that there's I such think an if there's any switch. of that, that's at the end with the one person who I guess we will possibly make survive. Or do we want to even have survivors? I mean, here's where I'm at. I don't mind there being more than one killer in not a whodunit way, in that culty way that we were talking about to begin with, where it's like maybe there's a group of maybe it's more than two girls. Maybe it's three girls. Maybe it's four girls. But there is this close group of friends and they're they're kind of outsiders. And just through a series of things at the beginning, they're more and more alienated. And then they get to that moment where the masks come on. I, 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 I would I would love that as long as they think they're the clique that's doing the murdering. And then they start getting a little murder. And that's where it actually gets scary because it isn't just us staring at everybody, staring daggers at everybody and then getting back at them. It's where's Tracy? Oh, my God. Like somebody super murder death killed Tracy. And Tracy was one of the original crazos. Well, that's, this is horrifying now. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that. And I think that I think that it's not. Again, it's not even the who done it. I think you mm. could just 
show the whole thing. That, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. show exactly. Stacy killing Tracy or whatever it is. Right, right, right. And it just becomes this descent. I mean, that's what it should be, right? It should be a descent into madness. It's like it's the like, shining. What is going on the way back? Yeah. Around. Yeah. It's I actually like, like that idea. This group of teenage girls who have been pushed too far. And maybe at first you think you're on their side, but then like, they just get demonically horrific with what they're doing. And you're like, oh, I no longer support this. Like, right. this isn't fun mm-hmm. anymore. If it ever was, you know what I mean? Like, I love that. Doing and, that to your audience. And then it's like the, the Crystal Lake tragedy becomes this thing where it's like that. It's, uh, I hate to keep using it because it really was a sad kind of situation. But it's like the Slender Man thing yeah. where it's like this news story of mm-hmm. these girls who just murdered an entire camp, you know? Yeah, I I love it. I think that works. And I think I think we've got a spot for our girl, Taylor. Taylor Swift could definitely be one of the Christian camp counselors. Right. That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's what you said. And I think that's where the movie could be brilliant is if at first, if she's one of the first to go and yeah, you're kind of cheering and you're like, this is fun. And then there's that switch where you're like, I don't think this is fun anymore. And that's when the movie becomes brilliant. I I almost think you start with the mean girls, right? So it it feels like we're doing the Friday the 13th thing where the people who, who are deserving get what's coming to them. But then you almost have to set up a character who's going to be like your sympathetic character. Like you think this character is going to be the one who helps. Maybe it's a male character and it's like you think he's going to be the one that's like surviving with the girls, but like he's kill number two. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, Mm. we dispatch the mean girl or the mean girls, but then very quickly it's like, no, now we're just going to start killing indiscriminately because why not? Right. You know, it's just... Well, we've already done it. And that's what I love those movies where Mm -hmm. you like start to question yourself. Right. Why was I rooting for this? Like, yeah, I love that. Well, also the question over over like once the girls start to get into the groove of killing people, why why don't you? Why isn't Todd dead? Todd's a piece. of (laughs) crap. I love that. Todd's a piece of crap. I thought we were going to kill Todd. Well, you know, I was just thinking, I know what you were thinking. You know what I mean? And and you play it like a very banal teen girl conversation, like about their friends at school. Yeah. But it's like, but it's somebody's life. Yeah. It's like, I think he deserves to die. Mm -hmm. And and then you can even get, you can even make this movie. Maybe this is a bridge too far, but you can make this movie like, the worst nightmare of a men's rights advocate, like one of those, you know what I mean? So it's like these girls are just getting away with it because they're kind of like cute and pretty and unassuming so that they just decide for like the smallest transgression. We're going to go kill that guy. And nobody suspects them because they're like, un, you know, they're right. just they're just harmless teenage girls. Right. I, there, there's some weird sort of horror there. And like you could almost maybe it gets to the point where it's like you're you're almost wondering, like, is this satire? Like, I just don't even know. I mean, this whole the, the, this Heather's tr- tack is tracking for me. Yeah. I, I, like if if the Heather's girls were all Winona Ryder and and uh, Christian Slater and then the, the whole thing breaks down to Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. Yeah. At the very end. I, yeah. I can dig that. I can dig that. OK, well, so so then the question sort of becomes. Um, who are our main characters? And I think that might be tough because it's, you know, it's om- you almost want to do what they did in the movie Book Smart, which is, can we just get some promising young talent and break them in this mm. movie? Because really, you know, especially if you've got Taylor Swift in there, it's it, you let her be the marquee name. You maybe cast another sort of like teen heartthrob. You can cast like Noah Centeno or Sean Mendez or like one of these guys sure. as one yeah. of the other camp counselors. Yeah. And oh, and you know what's crazy? Like I, I do think maybe. Okay, I know you guys don't like mystery, but Damon uh-huh. Lindelof is my dad, and he <laughs> said. Uh, no, I'm just thinking the kid that when we're in the movie and we haven't gotten to the point where we're blatantly going, these girls are psycho yet, because I don't think that's where we should start. I no, don't that's think probably, that's productive. That's probably like the midpoint well, of okay. the movie. Yeah. So until that point, there is a strange kid. And his name is Jason. We're, we're focusing on a strange kid who's being strange, idea. being odd. And it's and it's not a red herring because obviously we're going to flip that at midpoint, not late. We're not going to try to shock anybody. Right. But that kid ends up being one, uh, being maybe last kill or a survivor or something because he was just so odd that he was out of all the social groups until it was time to to like fight back or something. And I and love, he can observe everything. I love the idea of making the survivor of our Friday the Thirteenth movie <laughs> the weird kid named Jason. Like yeah, we I should one hundred percent do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I think that's awesome. I think I think in order for you to really because grasp, the next one, <laughs> maybe maybe know. not. I think in order for you to really grasp like the the weight of the situation, you almost don't want to distract with the casting of the of the killer girls. That's you fair. want it to be someone that you don't know, mm-hmm. so you feel like relatively unknown. Exactly right. Either that, or you get like. You know, Ariana Grande, like supporting character from a Disney Channel show. Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish. I'm not freaking. I mean, there's the something to be said band. for that. Something to be said for that. No, I'm just saying that type of person, though, where like before she broke as like an adult artist, sure. she was just she was like the friend on a Disney Channel show. Yeah, right. except for one of those could be the girl who played X23. Daphne Keene. Yeah. I just I'm saying like I don't think I wouldn't want and I'm blanking on her name but like Eleven from Stranger Things like right. immediately I'm right, out of it right, you right, know right, no, right. I, I agree with that I mean I think it's almost like you want them to be faceless or nameless just because that is what Jason was in the original you know and you right, just right. find you the best care. cast you yeah. can well yeah and, and the and the the thing is we're thinking about it so much from the antagonists who are the protagonists in this inverted right but it's much like how uh die hard hans gruber's the hero and homeboy's the monkey in the ranch messing his stuff up so we're looking at this friday 13th in that manner right now yeah but like taylor swift and some guy bill Hader, timothy oliphant somebody likable these guys are the pillars of the church camp and they're trying to hold it together there's a murder there's a there's a person who drowns in the creek or somebody breaks their neck on the gymnastic mat or whatever the hell and they're trying to be like dude i don't know the phones aren't working i can't call the put the dead kid in the barn jesus this is nuts and we're watching these people come apart under this pressure of all these you, murders i mean you could do an alfred hitchcock psycho thing where like you literally play taylor swift and yeah one or two other people who are names as the the heroes of the story mm-hmm. and then at the midpoint they all die yeah and then for the rest of the movie it's just and this hellish descent into dude, madness and, and then that's the thing that's what makes it lord of the flies and they're cut off from everything oh because all the when counselors they got to the go camp, first yes yes. Yeah. yes that's why nobody calls the cops that's why nobody comes over the, the, the because, hill with the sheriff now oh that. and the best thing is for phones to cover phones this is what the, the camp counselors oh yeah sealed them up they when they showed up phone 100 yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they and they're the phone. only ones yeah. who know where they are so no one can find their phones yeah. Or they're the only ones who can get in there, which gives our characters a means of uh, we got to get to the, the phone the phones. Yeah. And then Jason and everybody's around the phone. Well, you know, you know, the killers yeah. are around the phone shit. I love it. Nice. Who's directing this movie? Um, so I had some outside yeah. the box suggestions. Okay. I kind of think for this, I would I would lean more towards the teen side of it. And actually one movie that came to my mind was Bo Burnham's eighth grade. And the reason is because the scene where she's in the car with that kid was the scariest scene I had seen all year. I was like, get out of that car, get out of that car, get out of that car. The way that he shot that, the way that he did that. So that was kind of my suggestion would be Bo Burnham. Interesting. That's awesome. You know what though? I mean, the, the, the cinematic vocabulary of comedy is so similar to horror. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. just that setup, payoff, misdirect, surprise. And also, when she's about to get go to the pool party yeah. and get down to her bathing suit in front of her friends for like the first time, that shot like psycho. Or I mean, puberty is just scary in general. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he can he can get like a like a ring terror out of a towel type jazz. You know, he, he can do that. I was thinking also too, like Greta Gerwig, um, thinking based off like mm. Lady Bird, kind of like I really think like showing like if you really get someone who understands, like you just said, the horrors of reality of just mm-hmm. growing up in puberty and like that's that to me is the key. So those would be my two suggestions, either Greta Gerwig or Bo Burnham. The only other person that I think is even competing with that at all is uh, Jeremy Saulnier. Mm. What did he uh, direct? He directed Blue Ruin, which is literally about a guy who uh, sees a guy who killed somebody he knows and he goes and kills him instinctively. And then the whole rest of the movie is just that one impulsive choice. And it's almost like real time. It's just like, ah, Guy, yeah. you, you messed up, guy. But you're like rooting for him because he makes his impulsive thing. And uh, he did a thing called Green Room. Oh, yeah. That yeah, Green Room. Starred, Green uh, room yeah, John awesome. Luke Picard and them. Yep. <laughs> and John Anton- Luke Picard as a weird slasher, right? Like he was <laughs> the villain of that movie. Well, John Luke, uh, uh, what's his name? Patrick Stewart. Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Patrick Stewart played a white supremacist who had who owned like a sort of a clubhouse for them. And oh, they right. contract Anton Yelchin's band to come play. But they don't know necessarily they're going to go play for hardcore racists and then they figure it out and they go, might as well play the gig. And 
boy, some bad stuff happens in that green room <laughs> and them getting out of it is utterly horror. You know, there's, there's somebody who gets injured. Like one thing I think Sonya does well that Bo Burnham would do well as well. is just like, there's injuries in that movie that are just gruesome. That are one of the things of Friday the 13th is like machete wounds, you know, right. oh, letter yeah. openers, yeah. axes, you know, things laying around. So yeah, he's great at showing you the horrific nature of, regular old everyday wounds <laughs> you know it's pretty horrific what he can do with that cool no i think that's awesome I oh think that's- and he's also good with i'm sorry he's also good with uh situations his first movie was called murder party and basically a guy uh, yes murder party yeah a, a guy responds to a flyer saying hey come have a party and there's a bunch of art students who are going to kill him for art and it's him getting out of that situation i i love that premise by the way right that, that, that's awesome yeah. so yeah i think he would be good at conveying some of these like in this specific setting this is quite scary in this specific setting that is quite scary but it's hard to beat bo burnham man yeah i mean i, I think what we do is we go out to bo burnham he's the unconventional choice if he passes because it might not be his cup of tea this guy's right there that's yeah. who we go to next mm-hmm. i like it Well, guys, I think we did it. I think once again, we have Reboot. We have achieved Reboot. We have basically jettisoned everything from the original Friday the 13th franchise, but I think in a good way and for good reasons. So we are now making a movie that's very much of the moment that speaks to teenagers' real fears today that is completely subverting expectations about what a slasher should be in a slasher movie. And baked into it, we've got all these weird misdirects that aren't just the cookie cutter who's the killer mystery. We kept the Jason hockey mask, Mm -hmm. you know, iconography. We kept the uh, teens alone in the woods. We kept the brutal, gruesome kills. Everything else, that was just a little changed up. And, you know, we've even rejected the whole chastity thing. If you think about it, Taylor Swift is going to get it, probably as a virgin. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we just... Threw that out there, you know what I mean? We're, we're like bucking the trends, baby. I like it. I like, and it, it, what I like about this movie is that it's really going to take the audience. You know, you start the audience thinking that they know what's going to happen, and then the first turn happens, and suddenly it's like, oh, those are the girls who are putting on the hockey mask. No, and then the murders start, and then after the murders start, you kill all the adults, you kill all the people in charge, and suddenly it's that Lord of the Flies thing that mm-hmm. you were talking about, and so it just becomes by the end of this movie, the audience should be totally disoriented. I think it's going to be a really good horror experience, and it's the type of movie that certainly teenagers nowadays have not really had in their movie-going repertoire. Absolutely. So, I think we did good work here today, gentlemen. I would actually, I'm not a big horror guy. I would see this movie. There we go. Oh. <laughs> the Billy Stab. I would see it. I bring my scaredy blanket, but I would see it. <laughs> <laughs> well... If you need more of this, subscribe to the Rebooted channel. We have got more coming for you and just wait until you see the next episode. It is going to blow your mind. We have the audacity to reboot the entire Skywalker saga. We're psycho. Yeah, we're a witness uh, protection program. Uh, I'm going to call them up. That's a good thing I'm moving so no one can send me hate mail. (laughs) I got got an adamantium P.O. box. (laughs) (laughs) The hate mail we're going to get. Oh, bring it all on, people. Bring it all on. The hate holograms. (laughs) In the meantime, if you want more from us, you can go to Hot Takes with Billy Business, the podcast hosted by Billy Business, or go to the Nerd Goat podcast Produced by yours truly, hosted by Ed Greer, Ron Swallow. Yep. Both podcasts are very worth your time. For Billy Business, Ron Swallow, and Ed Greer, I'm producer Bill. Catch you next time. Hey guys, this is Ron. If you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the classic logo, and then, of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls, among other fan-favorite comments. So do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite T-shirt. So thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting. Reboot it.